and I've got one one letter as well to okay, okay, to add in. Yep. Right. So I'm, I'm guessing I, I get I get a pasting. No, not at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, not at all. In fact, surprisingly, it's got nothing to do with you. <laughs> so no, pull your head back in. No. Well, whenever you used to say I've not got all one. About you. Well, no. Well, it's not. But whenever someone has sent something to you, um, and they haven't sort of, <laughs> and you haven't shared it with me beforehand, it generally means I'm it in for a pasting. Usually, bag share. Yeah. No, no. That was no. It's not from Muslim this time. All right. <laughs> okay. This is Good Brews Week. This is brought to you by Cryer Malt. This is your host, Pete Mitchum. This is your co-host, Matt Kierkegaard. And this is a stomping ground, lame way lager. Because <laughs> sorry, I was just opening mine. As I had we didn't even compare notes, and uh, we, we both had the same idea. Listeners, we are um, for the first time in a long while. We're like we're recording separately. So Matt's up in Brisbane. I'm down in Melbourne. But it's five thirty on a Saturday afternoon, and it is very much beer o'clock. So Matt just flick, flucked me, flucked me a text, ah, coffee or a beer for this episode. I think I'm way ahead of your champ. Well, because no, <laughs> well, normally it's sort of, oh, mate, I'm ready to go. Oh, I'll just make a coffee. Yeah, because it's normally uh, 8.30 my time, your 7.30 your time in daylight savings. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really not probably, you know, look, we, we walk the walk, so we've got, we talk the talk, so we've got to walk the walk in terms of giving beer a bad name. We don't want to be, and we're drinking at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> well, not only, and it, and it suits us because neither of us are really, uh, you know, like I, I don't think too much about the podcast i don't get too much enjoyment from the podcast where they sit there discussing a beer you know like you can sit and listen to the cricket on the wireless you can sit and you know listen how old i am the wireless um back in my day we used to wear a (laughs) but uh, you know listen on the radio because the point of listening to the cricket isn't you know the, the, the game is the game Whereas drinking a beer, the point is not to hear somebody describe it. The point is to actually drink it yourself. So, um, yeah, I get a little bit frustrated with those ones. But uh, so we won't talk. Well, we might just tell people what we're drinking, but we won't actually go into talking about any nuances of flavour. Yeah. So I have cracked a fresh off the canning line, um, absolutely magnificently subtle and nuanced, um, but very very enjoyable Stomping Ground Laneway Lager from Stomping Ground down here in Melbourne. Brewed in Melbourne, enjoyed everywhere. <laughs> there you go. Well, mate. What about you, Matt? Having the original Stonewood Pacific Ale, I, I actually went to my fridge and I've got a dedicated beer fridge that's sort of the, the, the office fridge and there was nothing under 8% there when I went to, apart from <laughs> um, the, <laughs> apart from Pacific Ale. Have you run out of, because I was going to crack a bolt of Pilsner and I thought, no, I just had one before because I'm actually, you, you, you find me listeners in the middle of, um, I've got the, the Weber farm going at the moment, we've got a... Uh, a bit of a crew around for dinner, so I thought oh, I'll do a big, a, a big, a big on the, on the bone, um, massive rack of um, beef rib and uh, a whole a half a pork belly and some chicken. So I have already cracked one beforehand, which was the, the beautiful Bolter Pilsner. Um, so I thought I'll go for something different for this one. Yeah, well, look, no, I don't have any Bolter Pilsner. I've been getting through a bit of that, and also the Slipstream Pilsner. So you know, two very, very good Pilsners. But uh, anyway, have, have, we, we did say that we're not going to talk uh, too much about beer, but uh, yeah, just uh, it, it's. Brisbane's 32 degrees this afternoon, so it's quite balmy, and uh, uh, Pacific Ale actually hit the spot quite nicely. 
I was going to say, you know, for the world's most, uh, for Australia's most overrated beer, Matt, I reckon that's absolutely <laughs> perfect. But, sorry, I must have read that online somewhere. At least Twice. they haven't changed it as much as those that little creatures that is just terrible. Oh, mate, change it all the time. Anyway, they, they, they did. Let's not... Making news this week, not, not a lot of stuff. We will get to the cook limit um, in, in the mailbag. But this week, Matt, now, a couple of important things. There one... There's a bit of a trend um, researching for the for this week's episode as we draw ever closer to our 200th. Um, there's a lot of jobs on offer. I had to get through three and a half pages on my my big screen um, of job, 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 someone's hiring, which I think is a story in itself. So let's get that out of the way. Are we on the cusp of, yeah, I don't know, a boom? We're apparently sort of, you know, in a, a, a plateau of um, employment globally and um, particularly nationally. Are all the jobs in craft beer at the moment? Um, certainly a lot of jobs, um, you know, and but it's, it's one of those things, um, Pete, you know, say, and, and I'm just going to pick some names out, but just to indicate size, you know, like there's a, there's a brewery like Bolter or a brewery like, um, you know, one of the bigger ones. Gage um, Roads. Gage uh, Roads, for birds, example. Stone and Wood. Yeah. Moondog. One of them uh, employs either a head brewer, and then so quite often it's the, a senior brewer at a next tier or a slightly smaller brewery that you know that's an aspirational step up. So they go, and so it's you know one in the bed, uh, ten in the bed, and the little one said roll over, and they all roll over and move up uh, the job. Um, yeah, is, 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 yeah. Is, is I suspect there's a bit of a knock-on effect um, yep. as much as because there haven't been that many breweries opening um, and. Interestingly, I've spoken to a couple of equipment manufacturers over the last um, couple of months, and uh, you know, whereas because they know of jobs well in advance because they're installing the breweries, the the orders are starting to slow down a little bit. And you know, whereas we've had you know one a week for the last two years, um, apparently it's starting to s- slow down a little bit. So um, yeah, maybe uh, suggestions of bubbles. Um, okay, but but certainly I'd have to say looking at. Just a, a cursory glance would tell you that most of them, like you say, are, are reasonably big-ish breweries. Not a lot of them are replacing somebody who's left. A lot of them are adding to the to the crew. Their expansions, I noticed, yeah. Yeah, Hawkers, Hawkers is expanding, looking for. Um, um, although Rob, um, good good friend of ours, who helped us out um, the last couple of years at the at the Ecker, um, who's the the Hawkers rep up there in Brisbane, or yep. was the Hawkers rep, um, is moving into a hospo venue of his own. So all the best to him. Um, but they're looking at yeah, a couple of um, guys on the ground to to replace him. So um, there's certainly, I guess, those who are doing well are are doing quite well. It's it's fair to say. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and it's great. Um, you know, we have seen in the States quite a few breweries are starting to lay off staff or shut down, um, and I, I haven't caught up with it because it only hit my uh, mailbox this afternoon, but AB InBev apparently has lost, uh, you know, half their dividend, and uh, their results were very disappointing. Um, so, yeah, in, in certain parts of the market, things aren't going terribly well, but things seem to be going pretty well here. So, uh, Just on that, AB InBev, is it because they've spent so much in acquisitions the last couple of years that the dividend is not as expected or is it uh, both a downturn uh, in their mainstream brands? Or? Okay, now this is very early. Uh, I haven't had a chance to read it, but when I did skim the uh, New York Times article, um, it did seem to be saying, Carlos uh, Brito was saying that, that they have found it pretty tough. Um, 
but also they are paying down debt. So you know they, they yeah. borrowed a lot of money with the, the the various acquisitions. I haven't had a chance to see how how they go in Australia, how they went in Australia, what the uh, results are there. But no doubt we'll um, post something about that this week and uh, maybe even discuss it if there is anything newsworthy uh, when we record at seven o'clock next Friday morning. Yeah. Uh, just on that, and apropos of uh, our last episode, one eighty nine, I think, or one ninety, um, it did get a little bit of feedback from one of our regular listeners. Um, funniest thing he's heard all year was. Um, it was Matt Kierkegaard, I don't know a lot about shares, but I'm prepared to argue um, <laughs> <laughs> with a with a lawyer who specialises in that sort of thing. Look, that, that was a mischaracterisation of what I was doing. I was explaining how I came up with the figure. I wasn't saying that I was right, um, but... Oh, this from the same bloke who reckons, you know, if beer was invented today to be Corona. I didn't say that. That's... And in fact, I've gone back to the uh, to the email I said to John, and I said it, I explicitly said, um, mate, I'm, in, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you because I'm going to, I'm going to tell you exactly what I said. He's going to have to reprint the whole book now. I know, I know. I hope our listeners caught up with it. It was a really great chat with John Hall. Um, um, we even got actually we got a, a message from um, James Davidson, uh, who's back from his uh, trip in the states, and uh, said that we should get him on as a regular. So um, he was awesome. Yeah, no, it was a really, really good chat. Yeah. And look, I, I think there's a possibility that um, we probably need to catch up with, you know, whether it's a, a Brennan Varus or Pia Poynton, um, say, to, you know, update us quarterly, for example, on the on the West Australian scene. Mm. Uh, somebody else um, giving us the, you know, the, perhaps the, the Sydney scene or the Adelaide scene. Uh, and John perhaps could um, could give us a bit of an update on the... New York specifically, but he's obviously um, with his podcast, which I've I've started listening to, and is a, a, a really good. Uh, it's a rollicking listen, and it's and it, it, it's funny how we we just talked about you know we don't like listening necessarily to you know beer reviews, um, but every rule has an exception. Exactly, and if there is one, it's it's John Hall because the the couple that I've listened to, where they they have a you know like darkened glasses and everything, um, literally a blind tasting, and then kind of talk through what they think the beer is and all that. So that to me is interesting because it, it says a lot about expectation. It says a lot about how we perceive flavour and how we turn that into words, and then how we try to assign um, or shoehorn it into a you know a, a category or a style guideline. Yeah, absolutely, and that's exactly what I got out of it. And you know, and that's when I sort of said my piece at the start of the show that you know, it, it, it's not an absolute rule. So um, anyone that started typing, you can stop now. Um, but I, but I am going to say this uh, um, about this is exactly what I said to John when we teed up the uh, chat that we also posted uh, back in 2014. Um, what would beer look like if it was invented today for the first time? I am pretty sure that no one would get excited about Corona if it was the first beer ever created, but that beer would look like craft beer, though the culture around it, which is burdened by thousands of years of handed down culture and expectation, would be vastly different. My thesis is that the product would look like craft beer, but the culture would be more akin to that that has grown up around wine. So um, that's actually what I said. So he uh, completely misquoted me. Now, obviously, the best beer is made with the best malt. Um, what happens if we can't get good malt? Apparently, there's a risk of a shortage of malt due to gas. Uh, no, I think you might have misread the the headline. Um, there has been a lot of talk about malt prices because the drought in Queensland, there's been some frosts, there's been um, you know a whole lot of issues. And so there are apparently the, the, malt, the, the barley crops are down and that could affect uh, malt prices. Um, Immediately, oh, that's I knew, different. Or something, I knew or something about that. Yeah, no, I thought, I, 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 look, you know, 
I suppose I have to admit now that I didn't read the yes, article. No, no, you didn't. It was, it was no. a very, very interesting article. Um, but but I, yeah, I had no, it here in front of me and now I've lost it. A, a number of brewers um, that I've spoken to have been talking about um, gas supplies. And, you know, prof, it, it, it's one of those things that you don't really think, you know, mot water, hops and yeasty, you sort of think are your, your core ingredients of, of, of beer, but you don't think too much about gas because, as we know, gas, you know, CO2 is a byproduct of the fermentation process. Um, but... You know, most brewers who um, you know carbonate their beer um, get it delivered. Um, they don't capture the the, the CO two that's produced during the produced. brewing process. Yep, yep. They bring it in, but then you've also got the the, the gas that pumps through the um, through the lines and that sort of thing. And I'd never stopped to think about where that came from, um, but apparently it comes through a couple of different things. You know, the, the, the making of um, explosives um, and also the making of fertilizer. So if you've got a fertilizer making plant. Um, it's a natural byproduct where they capture it and then you know, in, in large quantities and clean it and things like that. But because yeah. uh, a lot but of... It, the... But it's basically pure CO2. It's that... pure CO2, yeah. Yeah. So you capture it, you whack it in a tanker, you send it out to breweries. Yeah. Um, but the uh, apparently uh, in Europe over summer, there was a problem with uh, a confluence of factors where a number of major plants went offline um, for a variety of reasons, uh, either for maintenance or you know breakdowns or just taken offline because they were old plants. Um, and it led to a shortage of CO2. And uh, one or two brewers are talking about that here. Um, Air Liquid, which is one of the, the big suppliers, has apparently got issues at two of its um, uh, plants, one in Victoria and one in Queensland. So, yeah, look, I mean, it, it's, it's not... Um, it, it's just one of those fascinating things. It's well worth a bit of a read. Um, Megan uh, did a story on that. And, uh, yeah, and it was just one of those ones that you go, well, gee, I never actually thought too much about that. Yeah, and the alternative is that you, you can actually produce CO2 but not as a byproduct. You can you can go out of your way to produce CO two, but that's fairly you know it's um not exactly carbon neutral. Yeah, and because there's a lot of energy involved um, in in yeah. all of those things, and uh, apparently the the bigger brewers, and we might need to um check this because um, I think some of the bigger brewers with their giant plants have the capacity to capture and um, reuse know, re- reuse it. And I I think in Germany a number of plants I saw did that as well. Um, but small brewers, you know, just the amount of energy um, for, you know, you, you, it's a lot of squeeze for not a lot of juice, basically. So the alternative is that you send out flat beer and and somebody comes up, you know, some smart tech head comes up with some sort of, you know, like a, you stick it in your soda stream. You could. Didn't somebody do that a couple of years Would ago? Would that work? Well, didn't somebody do that? They sent out concentrated beer that was basically like a soda stream. I don't know. Yeah. It, it doesn't sound nearly as... It sounds like a lot of hard work, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Like maybe the first beer, you'd be okay. But if you, you know, you got friends around watching the footy or whatever, and you've got to get up every time to, you know, a beer, I think that'd get fairly tired fairly quickly. And you're just not allowed to let the kids do it anymore. No, that's right. Now the other thing, uh, apropos of nothing in particular, um, obviously shipping your beer around once you have got it carbonated, if you haven't run out of CO two, um, being able to track. And we, we talked about this uh, a while back, back in May. It, in, in, it could be a week at the the aptly um, named Cryer Malt uh, Brewers Lounge, the uh, trade hub during Good Beer Week. That's right, when we, our logistics panel. Yeah, and uh, it was brought up that you know look, one of the tricky things is it's not often until it's too late that you find out that you know perhaps you you what you thought was a good point to point cold chain logistics actually falls down at, at one end or another because it's you know it's 
there's got to be an unrefrigerated truck for some reason and and and, and your beer might I guess lose all the advantages that you had from cold chain uh, logistics. So there were a number of different ways, and uh, uh, Lockie Crothers, he's the head brewer up at, at Ballistic, Ballistic yeah. Beer, and he got in touch with us. I think it, you spoke to me about this that that Lockie had had come up with a had discovered a way of tracking. That's it. Yeah. So you know, obviously, um, as we've talked about, you know, and in with all of our chats with Charlie Bamforth. Uh, Temperature is one of the big evils um, when it comes to beer. And if you're shipping your beer, we're, we're a wide brown, very hot land. If you're sending your beer great distances on the back of a ute in summer, it's not going to do your beer very good. Um, you know, why spend so much time talking about how much we love our beer when you're going to commit it to that? So um, we've had seen a couple of people who have been developing, um, you know, things that you can strap onto a keg or connect to a keg um, that keep constant track of the temperature um, and then also tell you you know um, and, and report back but um, as one of those solutions said you know when it's in the cool room the cool room blocks the uh, the, the transponder so you're not actually getting real-time things when it's actually cold and when you actually need it um, so uh, anyway yeah so, so it, a lot of people have been putting a lot of effort into it and this one reminded me a little bit of that you know the Americans spent millions of dollars developing a pen so you could write in space in, in weightlessness. And uh, the, the Russians said, hey, we'll use a pencil. But, uh, and, and yes, yeah, so I, was, I was talking to Lockie and just because, you know, they um, have a recently employed a quality brewer. They're very focused on the quality of their beer. But they also had uh, like a fairly substantial order from Western Australia. And he thought, well, geez, you know, we're paying for cold shipping. Are we actually getting cold shipping? Is the beer going over? How am I going to sort of check this? And he'd happen to be yep. at a thing in the U.S., and uh, New Belgium talk, said that this is something that they did, that they just get this little, it's a $150, $200 um, data logger. You turn it on, you put it on your pallet when you send it across, and it just constantly records the temperature. Um, when your pallet gets to the other end, um, it's in the consignment note. Um, your distributor over there takes it out, posts it back, you pop it in your computer, and then you've just got this constant uh, recording. To, to paint the picture, it's, it's in the form of a... It's, it's a USB a- key. Yeah, thing. but it's a little, like a little microphone shape sort of thing, but with a, a USB bit on the end. So it takes all the data in one end, you stick it in your computer at the other end, and it tells you what's happened to your beer or what the temperature of the beer has been at, at all the various stages of the journey. Yeah, I mean, once it gets to your distributor, um, you, you, it stops because you, you don't have each keg and each carton being measured. But for the for, for that next step if you're paying for cold shipping you actually know that you're getting cold shipping and if the retailer wants to you know put it in a tin shed in 40 degree heat you don't have any control over that but at least you know that the things that you're controlling you actually can control yeah so it was just a nice little article i thought was a it, you know some i always worry about stories like that because i guess anyone that reads that just expects that it was a paid for ad um which it absolutely wasn't it was just a great little solution and uh you know it was the sort of thing that um we like to to cover because it is one of those industry um you know bits of uh, interest that people may not be aware of that's it and we are fairly well known for doing stuff that's a little bit outside the square it's not just the sort of you know um you know 10 overs none for 40 line and length talking about beer we, we talk about the you know ingredients we talk about ancillary industries and logistics and all that sort of thing which are you know um the feedback that i'm getting is that um particularly those in the industry that's that's the sort of stuff that they love and i think too for the consumers who who listen to to Bruce news um it, it just puts a lot of things into perspective and answers a few 
unasked questions. Yeah, exactly. In a garden, what a garden. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. There was the really great story that Ross Lewis wrote um, looking at, because 12 years since um, uh, Feral, and Feral has taken all of the attention, you know, a, a, another big buyout, you know, a much-loved brewery um, being bought out, and so that took a lot of attention. But obviously, um, Nail Brewing um, and John Stallwood was, I won't say collateral damage, but it was collateral, um, you know, caught up in, in the whole thing, um, because he was a partner in Brew, uh, Brew Corp, um, that was the brewery, um, that was uh, owned by Nail. Nail and Feral. Yeah, so, you know, and it, look, I, I won't say too much about it, but other than it's, like, it is a really great um, article that, you know, when uh, Megan was publishing it and reading it, she said, oh, I thought uh, Ross was having a go at Brendan, and, that, you know, because it just sort of starts off you know, about the visceral reaction that uh, John had. Um, but it's a really, really lovely story, really good story, and you know, just one of those things that you you don't necessarily think about um, in terms. Yeah, of, and it, it would yeah. have been hard for for John to talk about. He was very, very open and honest about his feelings about it all, but also that he and Brendan are great mates. And uh, I know that Brendan, you know, went to great lengths to make sure that John was looked after. But at the same time, and for actually, one of the things that people may not know is it about twelve years ago, ten years ago, John was coward punched. He went to the aid of um, of somebody who was in a bit of strife, mm. and uh, got cow punched. And his head uh, hit, you know, very lucky to be alive. Um, he just started nail brewing, had won a stack of awards for his stout and his uh, nail ale, and uh, suddenly you know, he he spent a year recovering. And uh, you know, he was a long time a in a coma, uh, b in hospital from memory, uh, and then rehab, and um, you know, getting to the point where he could you know kind of i guess operate with some sense of normalness mm. um it was about 12 months sort of you know um dot to dot mate he, he sent me photos um and you know like, I, I think almost a quarter of his skull is actually prosthetic oh uh, yeah um yeah, yeah, they actually had to cut away such was the uh is it the bruising or the what do you call it um you know with the, the brain basically the, the brain of, swells and uh you, swells, you need to swells. relieve the pressure and so they cut away his skull and you a, know, like a quarter a, a bread and butter plate size um you know you bend that round and that's the amount of his skull is prosthetic um so yeah like it, we, we're not talking about he hit his head and sort of you know had to sort of uh you know wait till the bandages came off it was very very serious and uh no it's, it's quite amazing and his journey has been incredible and uh um, I still think that one of my all-time most memorable beers is the very first time I had uh, Clout Stout, which is you know, just one of those really, really oh, classic Australian. 100%. Yeah. So anyway, having said uh, we, we won't delve on uh, you know, dwell on this one too long, um, go read the story. Read it's the story. Really, yeah. really great story. Very, very uplifting. and uh, But, you know, it's a very, just very, very honest and uh, yeah, quite a moving story. Speaking of reading, Matt, that's a beautiful segue into this week's Mailbag. And we did get a response regarding our chat about Nipahs, or Brendan's 
feelings on NEPAs and, and some of the virus, comments. Yeah, yeah. yeah Brendan Varis in, in, in a previous episode. Um, and Brendan O'Sullivan, who will be very well known to many as um, champion home brewer uh, who has gone on to pretty much drive three Ravens um, who were – Look, it's fair to say, uh, probably half a dozen years ago before he came along, were on the brink of irrelevance. They were picked up by MASH over in WA, and there's sort of so there's a partnership there, but they're, they're operating reasonably independently. But but Brendan has certainly challenged the brand and 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 really taken it to to a place where it's um, very highly thought of um, as it should be. He says, "Hi, Matt." After hearing your chat with BB, I thought it was worth going into bat for Nipa. Hearing Brendan comment that he disliked the astringency from yeast made me think that he had been drinking poor examples. The focus is on protein and polyphenol haze, and in some cases, pectin or starch, to create an emulsion to suspend hop compounds in levels that would otherwise be impossible. A well-made Nipa should have little to no residual yeast, certainly no more than you would expect in a Stonewood Pacific Ale. Check out this recent podcast from the Master Brewers Association that offers some valuable insight into the analytics of the style. Keep up the great work, Brendan O'Sullivan. Thank you very much for that, Brendan. Thank you, Brendan. And I'll, I'll post a link to that in the show notes. And uh, yeah, look, and yeah, man, it, it, that's another one where, you know, the, the exception proves the rule. Um, I, I guess Nipers you know, would not have developed as something if they had nothing redeeming about them. Um, I, 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 I guess it's the, you know, just, just the way that, you know, Every brewery now has a NEPA. They're shipping them in the country. Um, but, Matt, it also shows, too, that they're uh, – I, I get the feeling that a lot of people look at the next big thing or, you know, the latest bright, shiny thing, and they get spellbound by it, and they go, we need to do that as well. And they look at, okay, what's the key to it? Well, it's just hazy. Well, how do you make hay? So we can throw some flour in or we can, you know – Apple pectin or, yeah, Pectin yeah. and that sort of thing. Whereas, no, you've got to actually go back and say, how did the style – develop how did it suddenly emerge it was hazy for a reason it wasn't hazy for the sake of being hazy exactly so it, in fact it's it's haziness is it is a um during good beer week uh somebody just absolutely nailed it dave Patton, dave yeah. Patton from akasha um it's not actually you know creating a hazy beer it's the beer is hazy because you've done all these other things in order to create what we now know as a nipa yep so but no that was great i'll post a link in the show notes and uh and I'm sorry, Brendan, but you, in, in, in the next podcast or two, you're also going to hear a little bit more uh, Nipa bashing for the same reason. Uh, which, oh, which Brendan? You were no, talking no, to Brendan O'Sullivan there. Brendan yeah. O'Sullivan, yeah, yeah. So Brendan, block your ears. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know too many brewers who jump uh, you know, jump to their defence, so it's good to see uh, Brendan does. And, uh, you know, as always, Brendan does it with a very uh, eloquent technical uh execution i guess oh, uh, and as i say you know when brendan talks i listen because yeah. i i learn something every time yep absolutely um speaking of learning uh i have another a message that was was sent to me so i'll just i'll just read this one matt and we'll just leave it there i must have missed the episode where the cook limit was coined but have heard it used a lot lately which cook is it named after i'm naturally curious and that from um uh, phil cook <laughs> who I guess it does it very similar to what we do. Um, oh, well, up until very recently uh, in New Zealand. So I explained to to Phil, you know, um, how it, how it came about. Ah, that makes sense. Ta. 
I did wonder if my long-winded podcast was the cause, <laughs> but it's been so long since we did any, I thought it couldn't be. Uh, and then he goes on to say in a separate message, mate, the new structure is working really nicely though, by the way. Uh, once I have an Australian address for you to send me my reward for letter writing, I'll have to give you a proper review. And I said, oh, that's cool. We'll catch up for a beer. What's the occasion? Um, he and his girlfriend are moving to, Melbourne. to Australia. Yeah. yeah, She's got a master's starting at um, University of Melbourne next year. Um, so he's really looking forward to, to coming over. So uh, we'll have to, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to catch up with him. They are going to be the most highly qualified couple that you'd ever meet, I think, because Phil went back to, to, to study, didn't he? Yeah, I think, I, I don't want to talk out of school, but I think he might have just gone back to school recently and, and perhaps completed something reasonably honourable or mastery or, you know, something more than a diploma <laughs> yeah. from memory. Just, just from chatting to him at, at, at Gab's in, um, in Auckland last year. But again, when you said that uh, when you learned from Brendan O'Sullivan, uh, Phil Cook is one of those writers that I invariably read footnotes and all because he has a, a, a very, very original uh, take on just about any on any topic. So, uh, yeah, maybe if he's over here, we can get him doing some writing for us. That's it. And I was actually thinking that, you know, like he would be a good one to um, have as a, you know, a regular to, to give us a, a take on the, the New Zealand scene. Mm. Um, but obviously he's, he's going to have his finger off the pulse if he's, if he's living over in Melbourne. So before you know it, he'll be, he'll be wearing black skivvies and drinking lattes. Um, oh, sorry, espressos. <laughs> but we've had Phil on the podcast before at least once. We have. Um, we have. Yeah. So, True uh, oh, but, but, but thank you. Uh, I'm glad. Yes, I'm, I'm, I, I, and uh, it, it, it's funny how these things you, you hear something and you think, Oh, are they having a dig at me? Um, when, when you're not at all, it's just one of those things. How'd that come about? Well, Phil thought that we were talking oh, about Phil. Him. Oh, you're talking about Phil. Okay, Sorry. being long winded. Who did you think I was talking about? No, I'm so used to you, you know, jumping up and having to defend yourself. <laughs> that I, just assumed, I assumed you were talking the first person. Uh, I'm thinking of changing our theme song, Please Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. <laughs> uh, we could do that. No, we um, can't because we, we don't know. No, but no, but no, we, no. Uh, we, we are working towards... Uh, are a, we though? Are we really? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to a composer at the moment. Um, okay. But I'm just not sure because he... Because in the words of, of um, uh, Carl and Lenny to Moses Islake, you know, we, we, we can't get rid of the dank. Not, not the dank. <laughs> Listeners, next week, um, to come in under the cook limit, um, I was in Melbourne this week, caught up with Pete, um, but because of a miscommunication that I'm not going to over-explain. Um, no, but let's just say that four people were involved, three of us went to one venue, and you were at a different one. I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it there. Regardless of what was on the email. What, what, what was on the email that actually said, let's meet at this location, and everyone said, yeah. Anyway. Speak to Steve Jeffers and Guy uh, Greenstone from Tap House. And look, this is going to be another three-parter um, that will just drop on Tuesday night. Um, well, Terry, Terry Farrandorf will be upset. Well, you know... Because up I, until I, now, she's been the only one worthy of a three-parter. She has been. And a great chat. But wait till you hear this chat because you weren't there, so you didn't hear it. But um, Steve and Guy talking about the origins, you know, how, how they met, the origins of the Tap House, um, the, you know, the evolution of the Hottest 100... Um, local tap house provisions, um, gabs, um, the evolution of gabs, and also a stomping ground. So, you know, like uh, in 10 years, and it's one of those things that makes you realise how much the uh, industry has changed when you just sort of look at the tap house is only 10 years old, and they opened with Carlton Draft on tap. Um, so, you know, great chat, 
three parts. We'll just sort of roll it out, and it seg- it breaks down quite nice into three half hour, well under the cook limit. Um, looking at the tap house, looking at gabs, and then looking at stomping ground. So um, that'll drop uh, this week um, in under the cook limit. And we also, uh, you and I, popped out to Brick Lane this week, so that'll be coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, the week after next, yeah. So um, yeah. A, a great chat. You know, one of those breweries that people have been really interesting to see, um, really interested in looking at how it comes on. You know, a lot of money behind it, huge brewery, um, you know, very slick in, in, in a lot of ways. Not so slick in a couple of other ways as we found out, Prof. Um, yeah, yeah, 100%. But at the end of the a lot, day... A lot of the stuff they're, they're doing... They're doing some stuff old school and some stuff is is state of the art. Yeah, well, I was actually getting down to the to the you know lesson. They've only been open a couple of months, and the, the the business itself is only a year old, and they've already had three iterations of uh, of the logo. So, you know, there, there have been uh, businesses that have gone to you know got their kids to do do one on an etch a sketch that have lasted longer than that. <laughs> Clip art. But, sorry, yeah, I'm not, I'm not having a dig um, at them because they were um, two of the best beers I've had in a long time. Not the most exciting, as we talk about, but just no, some no, of the most no. deliciously elegant beers that I've had in, in, in a long, long time. But some, so. sometimes excitement can be found in the least expected places, man. And we talk about that. So, uh, yeah, so stay tuned for that podcast. And uh, there we go, Prof. That little bit of waffle is just successfully taken 58 over the 59 uh, <laughs> 40 minutes and we're yes. out no thank you very much to all our sponsors thank you very much to you for listening to all this uh and uh inspiring us to keep doing it every week regularly um now this care. week so so this will be at sunday night there are still tickets for our uh appearance in sydney on wednesday prof um yeah, thursday. Sydney week. Yeah, thursday, sydney week. Sydney week. thursday um, come along and, and and see us do a panel discussion in true bruce news style in the middle of sydney beer week we're asking the questions has Beer Weeks had their day? <laughs> oh, dear. We'll never get invited back. I, I'm amazed we get invited back to anyone. We've been staying there for six years. And, <laughs> and they keep falling for it. Anyway. Maybe, honestly, really, you know, does have its its value in this world. They know we say it's it with crazy love. crazy old world. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, thank you very much to, to all of our sponsors and supporters, and thank you to you guys for listening. Um, get out there and uh, drink good beer. Do um, you get back to your Weber prof? That's it. I've got to get back and uh, get get those ribs. Um, they're, they're crutching just at the moment, so it's all it's all pretty sweet. Uh, no worries. Thanks very much, Matt. Thank you, Prof. Uh, look forward to catching up for another beer this week. I'll talk to you soon. And we're out. <laughs>